Hello, my name is Miriam McLemore and I am an enterprise strategist with AWS. Welcome to Conversations with Leaders. We have here with us today, Roland from AXA. Roland, could you please introduce yourself? Hello, Miriam. Uh, my name is Roland Scherer. I'm responsible for emerging technologies and data at the AXA Group. Um, original background in software engineering and statistics, worked over 10 years in the innovation space, mainly in consulting, and moved to AXA in 2016, starting in Germany, and then since 2018 in the current role. Roland, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Could you tell us a little bit more about AXA Group? AXA, French-based insurer, 100 million customers operating in 57 countries worldwide with around 160,000 employees. Um, majority of the business is in healthcare, life and protection, commercial and retail businesses, um, serving our customers across the globe. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, and thank you uh, for your insights um, that you will share with us today. You know, it's a crazy world that we're living in. And if it teaches us nothing else, it is that the future is not guaranteed and, and we don't know um, how things are going to be, whatever that new normal is. And so what do you do with your teams as part of AXA when the future is so uncertain? How do you paint a strategy and a destination for your organization? Um, look, uh, Miriam, in an insurance company, we are used to actually work with predictions and work with the future. Um, of course, we are in ex exceptional times. Uh, things have been changed a lot, especially here in Europe and in, and in Asia and also in the US um, afterwards. Um, and the way we operate and things that are happening. Uh, protection in healthcare gets more and more important than ever. Uh, um, we as an insurer play a critical role to actually achieve that one and, and, and to serve our clients in, in various countries. Uh, doing that on uh, and, and serving our, our uh, purpose as an insurer. The, the tricky part is really on the one side, our clients need us more than ever. And on the other side, we as an organization also faced the COVID crisis by ourselves. Hence, we actually had to also readjust ourselves, went as a full company with more than 160,000 people into full lockdown, uh, working now completely remote uh, uh, since a few months, uh, serving our clients and driving them on forward. When it comes to forward-looking, of course, healthcare stays an important topic. And what is clearly happening uh, in that case, that the whole topic on digital transformation uh, gets a, a greater momentum. It, it really kicks off now uh, uh, going forward because um, we cannot serve the client anymore just by having the physical channels. We actually have to work in a, in a digital uh, way and drive the one forward. So this one will stick, healthcare will stick, uh, the digital transformation will stick. But on the other side, you have the financial crisis that, of course, is a, a big challenge for us. AXA is resilient. It's a big, big company to drive that one forward. We have a resilient balance sheet. Uh, but of course, uh, we as an insurer play now in this time as a critical role for the society. Yeah, Roland, I, I love your perspective of the insurance industry and, and the need for both agility and resilience um, coupled together, given given what we're facing. 
um, and you have developed several innovative solutions. Could you share a little bit um, about that? Things like the fraud detection capability using AI and ML, you know, the B2B2B solution that, that you have. Um, could you share a little bit more about those? Absolutely. Um, first, you have to understand, when you think about an insurance, in the core of insurance, really the heart of insurance, it's in the end data, medical models, yeah? you call it nowadays artificial intelligence, and money, uh, capital injection. This is, when you think about the heart of the insurance, really what it's all about, then you come back to that level. Uh, and in that case, um, you're using data, artificial intelligence nowadays, uh, digital processes at large. You actually have to go to that level. Um, the tricky part is you're coming from an industry that started ages ago uh, uh, in that way. So you actually have to drive the transformation forward. And nowadays, what gets more and more important, and this is something what we see as, a, as an obligation at AXA to go from just being the insurance payer, just this kind of financial construct, financial institution, up to being a real partner for the client. And we see that at large in healthcare. We see that at large in, in, in uh, the commercial space, supporting our commercial clients. And we want to serve them quickly. Uh, but you have a few things you have to double check. Uh, fraud detection, fraud waste abuse in general to drive that one forward. Um, and in that case, you want to have highly efficient processes, like for instance, on the piece of fraud detection, if a claim is valid or not. And if you can solve that problem very, very quick, and very, very efficient, uh, uh, using uh, the proper knowledge, uh, you can solve your client quicker. You can you can simply make the payout quicker. You can serve them in the in the moment of truth, what we call the claim uh, and, and and the topic around that one. Because here the client needs us the most, and in that case uh, we are leveraging, uh, um, of course, data and artificial intelligence at scale uh, to achieve that fraud detection in a very efficient manner. And uh, uh, cloud solutions help us a lot to achieve that one because. When you think about fraud detection, you're looking for the needle in the haystack. You're looking for the one, one piece there saying, okay, uh, um, that car crash, is it actually something that happened or is it something where you have a doubt? And uh, you want to solve that one quickly and doing that one well. And you're using here all the means that are, that are feasible and on, on, on the data that is, that is, that is valid and uh, um, that can be used for that one and the proper algorithms to detect that one and do that processing quickly for serving the majority of the clients, the non-fraudulent ones, very, very quick and very, very efficient. Um, other examples, because you mentioned that one, B2B uh, to C, uh, um, insurances, the, the share economy space uh, in general. Uh, here we're going to completely the next level. In our partnership with Uber, we are building, call it the next level of insurances or next generation of insurances. Um, in the past, when you think about insurance, you think about a piece of paper. A piece of paper by an agent that is actually serving you, but you are signing the insurance contract, paying your premium, and you don't hear anything anymore from that agent. So I'm over-exaggerating that topic, but sometimes it's perceived like that from the client. What we, did with, what we did with Uber uh, is actually not having that process, uh, uh, but rather having a deep, deep integration between both parties. Um, I give one example on that one. We are having within the Uber driver app, a so-called uh, vehicle interruption insurance. Um, a very easy problem uh, that Uber faced uh, during their times. If you're an Uber driver and you have a car crash, of course you're insured by your insurers uh, for the car damage but you have an income problem 
because you don't have a car anymore, you can drive around and you're, lose, you're losing really a big part of your income. And with the vehicle protection cover or the income protection that is behind that one, it uh, ensures you exactly in that, in that moment where you cannot drive anymore. But instead of doing that on a paper-based approach, we integrate it directly within the Uber app. And this is an on-demand concept where you can switch on and off your insurance and you pay as you go, call it that way, uh, uh, within uh, the Uber app itself. So the driver can switch it on and off for the part he wants to be protected on. And of course, the protection depends really also on what kind of driver you are. A kind of driver in terms of I'm a heavy Uber driver uh, driving every day. Or I'm just the part-time uh, uh, driver that does that one once in a while. Hence, your income impact is also linked, of course, to your, call it, uh, income you're usually generating uh, on, on the Uber Economy platform. Hence, we integrated with Uber that much that A, it's an on-demand uh, concept. Um, driver can switch it on and off. And also is adaptive to the situations where you're in to actually solve uh, the client way uh, well, in a very, very efficient and simplified manner. And uh, having that kind of solution in mind, you cannot do that one anymore in a fixed, classic way uh, of running your own infrastructures. You actually have to leverage cloud environments. You have to uh, anticipate highest availability because uh, something you want to have 24-7 uh, uh, um, on all uh, the highest availability standards. And you also want to have that on a global scale because uh, just serving one country is nice. Uh, serving all the countries of Uber is a complete different story. And in that space, we are really moving forward and, and driving the next kind of insurance, driving that one forward. And, and Uber is one of the lighthouses we're driving in that space. Yeah, I love uh, that example. And I love the you know, the concept of on-demand um, and pay-as-you-go, of course, you know, core to what we do at AWS. Um, in providing cloud services. So, um, you know, this, that type of innovation is so inspiring, but it, it can be challenging within an established organization to drive kind of that large scale change. You know, what have you learned in your work to mobilize your team, uh, peers, leaders, the board of directors? What what have you done that you think has, has made it possible for AXA to innovate at speed? Um, typical problems. Uh, if you want to go in that direction, let's make the example with, with Uber and the B2B2C uh, insurance. You actually have to have topple the sponsorship. Yes, this is something that is right and this is what we want to do. So without having a clear sponsorship on top level, forget it. This is something... You have to have, and this is the first thing you have to double check, do I have the management with me? And second, do I really understand the business problem well? Uh, in the past, and this is something uh, we all working in the technology space have faced, just talking about technology doesn't solve the business problem and also doesn't solve the problem for our clients, doesn't solve the problem for our business leaders want to serve the clients. Hence, you actually really have to understand the problem and, and drive the one with them. So. Um, one thing I always say to, to uh, my uh, data scientists and my software engineers working on these kind of problems, be curious, understand the business problem, have the business knowledge there, don't hide behind the technology of co uh, the complexity on technology, really go forward and actually uh, um, do it in co-creation, drive that one forward. And this is the, the one thing we really learned in AXA, we learned it the hard way, 
um, that due to the, the, call it the global scale and the variety of problems, and the, the, uh, you actually have to uh, touch the ground uh, uh, and work hands-on with the business sides in co-creation, driving things forward. Because uh, what doesn't work is top-down push, doing things just um, yeah, in, in isolated manner um, from the headquarters. Uh, uh, and what also doesn't work if you're just doing bottom-up, because there is some risk to take and some sponsorship necessary to actually go to the to leapfrog to the next uh, level of innovation. This is really something what 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 we anticipated. Just to give an example, if you want to do that Uber example in 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 uh, in, in Japan. How should we in Europe know what uh, uh, in the headquarters, what is necessary in, in, in Japan? If you think about problems that are happening in the Philippines or in Indonesia, you really have to be customer-centric. You have to work on the ground with the people in co-creation, getting the heads together, driving things forward together. And this is the only way uh, that actually it works in, 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 in our space, in insurance space, having in mind the, the, the differences and the differences in maturity uh, between all these countries in global scale. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Getting that business partnership right, co-creating and understanding the variations of markets and cultures and, and partners that may exist in those markets to work with is absolutely critical. I had some of those same experiences in um, my history as part of the Coca-Cola company and implementing systems around the world. So I very much agree that if you can get that partnership right, you start delivering value very quickly. But I'm sure you also experience some pushback and some challenges in the development and implementation. What did you do to address those that pushback. Biggest pushback you get is by burnt ground. Imagine when you think about technology, um, it's all over the place. Everybody heard about data, heard about artificial intelligence, digital. If you go 10 years back, it was always all over the place. The tricky part is actually the hype cycle. Um, because you generate huge hype around that one and uh, um, business sponsors are usually jumping quite quickly on these things. They don't know what it is, but they heard about, yes, data is the new oil, so actually we have to do something with data. The tricky part is you have to accept that you have to learn. You, have, you hopefully have a steep learning curve, but you have to learn. And uh, hence, you also have to accept failures. You have to accept, okay, we try new things out. You're taking risks and risk-taking means, yeah, okay, it could be a mistake what we're doing and we have to adjust. And um, not all organizations and not all business leaders are used to that approach of give it a try and give it a try in a, in a meaningful manner. Uh, of course, everybody is talking about fail fast and everybody is talking about uh, uh, disruptions, but in the end, it comes down to uh, do a business sponsor, does a business sponsor uh, accept, um, yes, we give it a try, but it could have failed down and, and then we try something else uh, and, and have that kind of mindset. Uh, it's not always accepted in big organizations and takes time to establish that kind of, okay, I accept the failure and accept the failure culture. The problem is that especially these words like failure culture, agile, uh, um, agile organizations, rapid prototyping, they're all over the place. Everybody heard about that one and everybody's nodding their heads, yeah, yeah, we have to accept failures. Uh, in the end, having a failure or not even a failure, having something that is not scaling up that much and accepting them and saying, maybe we should kill 
that topic and actually start somewhere else, it's tricky. It's very hard because then you have to say, okay, it was a good idea. Maybe during the times didn't kick off that much. Let's stop that one. And let's focus on something else. And this uh, uh, takes time. Um, in, in AXA, we call that one almost, uh, we call it killing babies. Killing babies because if you are uh, attached to one of these topics and driving them on forward, it's very, very hard. And, and, and uh, um, it's very, very hard to actually let go and say, okay, there's an idea uh, that didn't surf out. So to summarize, big problem on the one side, uh, accepting the hype curve and, 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 and uh, uh, taking the risk. But on the other side, if you say, okay, there wasn't a failure or there was something that not really kicked off, also accept, okay, stop there and start somewhere else. So really fail fast and actually go from, from scratch. Yeah, the, I talked to many customers about a failure culture and and they, as you said, nod their heads and, and say, of course, they agree intellectually, but making it happen. Because um, many people are, are comfortable with somebody else failing, but not their team or their organization or themselves. And so it does take uh, fortitude to to move to that culture. I, I often describe it as, you know, it's like starting a new exercise program. You've got to start small and build new muscle for, for this type of culture. Um, and, you know, one of the things we think about at Amazon is um, an idea of innovation Darwinism, right? Only the strongest ideas survive. And I think that might be a parallel to to your comments around access approach to, you know, don't get so attached uh, to some of these ideas and concepts because if we're going to be agile, we have to move uh, with whatever the opportunity is or the challenge is uh, very, very quickly. And that speed and pace of change is a challenge for organizations often. And so my question to you is, you know, how do you motivate your team? Because it's it's hard to always lean into this constant change. There's there's one example uh, that came into my mind uh, when you talked about when you explained that one. Um, when it comes to speed and when to actually let go. When you think about uh, car telematics, car telematics means you have a connected car and the car drives around and you're actually collecting the data and you want to drive insights out of that out of the data. For instance, when it comes to uh, the the risk of driving or the, the the road conditions or specific things about uh, uh, the driver behaviors. Um, in insurance, we're doing that one. So we're actually uh, having partnerships with big uh, car OEMs uh, and uh, using uh, um, and collecting uh, information of the cars, of course, uh, always uh, according to data privacy rules. The tricky part of what you have here is um, that you have to collect the data for quite a few years. Because uh, uh, to really predict if there's an impact on uh, um, the risk around uh, around uh, the the car or the driver, uh, you actually have to observe certain amount of car crashes. And to be statistical, uh, statistically relevant, you have to do that one with thousands of cars, uh, and you actually have to you have to see what is happening over time with that. And this is something that is kind of tricky because then the fail fast paradigm is a little bit shifting around. So you need a few years of that kind of collection before you can say something. Um, this is tricky when it comes to the business leaders. When it comes to the own team, coming back to your question, um, how to motivate them uh, is of course uh, the, the, the obvious things. Uh, um, 
explore with them the vision, uh, really build with them the vision together and, and embark them on that journey. Um, it's, it's easy said, but it's hard done. Because uh, to really have a team that is full engaged saying, yes, we believe in that topic and we want to drive that one forward and we uh, to to not be uh, um, anxious about taking uh, or tackling complex problems is something you have to you have to embark them on. And then of course empower them, empower them in, in, in product teams to have all the means to actually deliver, um, uh, give them the freedom to deliver. As a manager, help them to to unlock roadblockers, to bring the roadblockers all the way that they can deliver properly. And then, of course, uh, celebrate successes, celebrate successes, but also be modest um, and uh, uh, do that one uh, with in the co-creation mindset that we are uh, facilitating and also promoting. Yeah, absolutely. Having people committed to the vision, right, solves a lot of problems. And I do think co-creation gets much more uh, commitment to the vision and to the destination. Uh, especially because you say it's not mine or yours, or is it who was then successful? Uh, is my, my, my contribution better than yours? In the end, you say, hey, this is a collective effort. We did that together uh, by bringing our people together, uh, by, by, by everybody's uh, contribution to solving a very, very complex problem uh, that uh, uh, is now more and more getting accepted. So the collective effort is now more and more important. We call it sharing is caring and collaboration is king. Um, that kind of spirit helps us a lot to overcome the burdens what we have in the past and people that are uh, not that convinced yet are eager to actually join that kind of party to, to, to do that one together and to have that kind of collective experience as well. I love that. Caring, sharing and collaboration. Absolutely. Things that you want in in your work environment. So Roland, you know, the innovation is great, but these are challenging times that we're living in. And so how are you balancing the investment in innovation and the cost efficiency of IT and making sure that your teams are being great financial stewards as well? Absolutely. Uh, it's a tricky question. Uh, it's um, hard debates every day on that topic. Um, in general, we have a principle called 40-40-20 when it comes to the investments. Uh, and this is what we are applying currently across the globe for all our um, uh, operating companies. 40-40-20 um, means that we're investing 40% in running the shop, running the shop in incremental uh, improvements, 40% in transforming uh, the, the existing way of doing business, and 20% we are spending on new kind of innovations looking forward. This is the usual principle what we apply and uh, we're going forward with our operating companies because sometimes you have in one or the other uh, uh, entity uh, a specific problem, a specific uh, um, situation. So it's, it's a guidance, not a hard cut rule because you really have to apply that one. But when you look about the, the COVID crisis, uh, even myself was saying, hey guys, nice that you're doing innovation, but having now proper digital custom experience, having the workplace uh, uh, digitalized and being able to work completely uh, remote with more than 160,000 people and having the, probably the security uh, setups uh, proper, properly in place as well. Because you had during the COVID crisis also a few people that tried phishing attacks. Um, 
is something that is very crucial. So even myself said, okay, let's reduce for now the innovation portfolio. So it's uh, even if it's 40, 40, 20, uh, maybe another uh, paradigm uh, makes also sense. Uh, so it has to be always a healthy balance, a healthy balance between short-term, mid-term and long-term investments and driving them forward. And this is why we're having that kind of crucial thoughts of, of what makes sense, what doesn't make sense to drive that, that one forward. Um, having the necessities of today in mind and necessities of, of uh, uh, tomorrow. But this is not an easy task and there are multiple stakeholders and multiple uh, demands and, and, and reasons for adjusting that one in one or the other direction. Um, balancing means that you always have uh, people for and against in one or the other topic. And uh, we have that one regularly, uh, like in all other companies as well. Yeah, absolutely. The And I'm sure your business um, very much appreciates that your understanding of getting that balance right and adjusting as you go. Um, I think too often companies get very prescriptive and locked into to a model. Um, and it requires agility and and trust within your organization to allow people to adjust the model as needed based on the situation they find themselves in, but not getting letting go of any of the levers. And I'm sure your conversations change as you talk to different leaders or different functions. You know, can you tell us a little bit about how you modify your message depending on who you talk to? Yes, uh, good question on that one, because it really depends on the maturity of your counterpart. Also on the business leader side. You have some business leaders that are quite knowledgeable about, okay, data, I know what I have to do, I know what I have to invest on. Also are not uh, uh, frightening for, for investing in data foundations that or, or technology foundations that have more long-term impact. Uh, cleaning data is not a, a fancy job, but it has to be done uh, to actually unlock the value of, of data due to artificial intelligence. Uh, so a few of the leaders, business leaders, uh, CEOs are very mature and it's a very easy talk saying, hey, look, this is what we have in mind, leveraging this kind of technology. It, uh, there is a risk on that one, but it makes sense to do it. Other leaders are, are uh, strong having a strong business focus, having a very strong business focus and coming from that area and are not that mature yet. And here you have to tackle them clearly by articulating the business problem, by uh, proving it well, and then going into large-scale execution. So you really have to see how your counterpart is, uh, how, how knowledgeable he is about the topic and how uh, mature is he in that, in that topic and uh, how easy it is to build trust around that situation. Of course, proving track record helps, uh, like in every other organization. Having together a history on, on, on achieving something together helps a lot to actually unlock that one. And uh, you try to embark a whole organization uh, um, uh, in that space. So you can really differentiate between early adopters, people that know, okay, I know what I have to do, and you drive them on further with them. And uh, uh, even within an organization, then later movers say, okay, th these ones have to be convinced by having the proof points made uh, beforehand with other ones. So you play around that, that, that spectrum, and that helps to really scale out because you know, okay, for that topic, this uh, uh, business leader is a clear uh, early adopter and a believer in that topic. And uh, we don't have to uh, un um, uh, um, convince them that much. And other ones have to be convinced by 
uh, walking the talk by seeing uh, that, that it is working and, and then uh, accelerating uh, afterwards. This is a tricky situation, but this is something we really have learned over time to, to play on that level and to play with you and, and, and uh, with your stakeholders and acknowledge them where they come from and what kind of history they have. Yeah, completely um, agree. Building trust and really gaining um, the confidence of your partners, not only as we talked about your team, but, but it is important to focus as an IT leader on the reputation of IT and the reputation of delivering value with all of the right principles in place around security and quality and financial uh, management and good financial stewardship. So, you know, Roland, you, you have a huge responsibility at AXA Group and a very successful leader. You know, when you, if you could step back and think about when you started your career, what advice would you wish you had gotten um, when you were starting out early? Um, don't fall in love with technology. As crazy as it sounds, this is one of the topics, especially when you come from the technology area, this is kind of understanding you have to get by a certain stage. Um, as I said at the beginning, I'm, I started as a software engineer, data scientist in that space. Of course, uh, you have that proper expertise on that level and uh, you are too quickly falling in love with the technology and try to you try to sell technology uh, internally and this is something you have to stop immediately this is the one thing that 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 hinders the adoption of great ideas because you're coming always with the technology angle uh, um, try to understand the business try to understand that one uh, as soon as possible be knowledgeable about the topic could be marketing could be in, in our case in risk management understanding the problems at the ground and, and, and going forward in that direction is, is key. And um, I learned it the hard way. I learned it the hard way. Um, uh, this is something I appreciate more and more and, and, and doing more and more. So uh, besides being knowledgeable in, in technology, being knowledgeable about in marketing, in healthcare, in what is happening out there, uh, um, is, is even uh, as important as, uh, as being an expert. Yeah, it's, uh, we would often talk about uh, it's wrong to have a solution that you're going out and seeking a problem that that solution might solve. And, you know, I love the approach at Amazon because we always start with a customer value statement and work backwards from that, not with the product or service and what can it solve. So getting your conversation right, understanding the opportunity or the, the business gap and working backwards to figure out how do you solve for that. So um, Roland, thank you so much for your, your time and, and insights today. We really appreciate it. Thank you much. Thanks for having me. Thank you.